Hello, hello. It is Friday, the 11th of October, Sydney, Australia, spring in our part of the world. I think a lot of you will be having fall in America. They call it fall. It is um, episode number 27 of the It's a Monkey podcast, where we talk about everything relating to the tech economy, social media, online, digital you name it. We are here to talk about it. We have an interesting show coming up. Um, we have a very special guest because James Peter, who's my usual co-host and he's my co-founder at 89N and Manage Flitter, is away in New Zealand um, getting married, of all things. Um, so he's away. But we have a very special guest who I dragged into the, um, our studio in downtown Sydney, Australia. Um, Dave Klein, who is the CEO of Orange Line. Um, which helps people's uh, digital dreams come true, right, Dave? Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's a good way of looking at it. We uh, we help brands master the online experience. And um, Dave comes from a very strong SEO background, and uh, we'll be talking to him a little bit later in the show about this whole Google switch over to um, secure searches, which means all the keyword data has disappeared, and there's been a lot of discussion about that. And uh, we'll we'll pick Dave's brains as what this means for you as an online marketer or an owner of a website um, or someone who uses Google Analytics because it, it is quite a, a big shift. But um, that's coming up a little bit later in the show. But as usual, we start off with some of the the news of this week. Remember, we list uh, we public we. Broadcast this podcast every two weeks or so. Remember to tweet us. We love your questions uh, at Monkey Podcast. You can email us at podcast at itsamonkey.com. In the news this week, of course, there's a very big story last week, Dave. Um, Twitter um, filed the documents for their IPO and they came out with their prospectus. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's exciting times for Twitter. You know a lot about, uh, about those guys, Kev. Twitter, of course, we love Twitter so much, we built an entire business around it. And I even have the claim to fame that Dick Costello, the CEO, has tweeted me directly before um, about this whole bulk following issue and following issue that that happened a little while back. So was it a threatening tweet or or just a friendly? uh, (laughs) Please. uh, It was a firm. It was a firm tweet. It was a firm tweet. (laughs) So it's firm, firm tweet. But um, Let's have a look at this Twitter IPO. So Twitter are going to be, um, they, they haven't announced an actual date yet, but it's probably going to be within the next um, month or two or so. Now, what's interesting, Dave, is actually to compare the Facebook versus Twitter um, pre their IPO. So I've got some numbers here. Um, of course, Facebook IPO'd last year. Their share price has come back to just under $50. They listed at $37. They came down to $17. They're now at about $47. Um, but I've got some numbers here of the Facebook versus Twitter IPO filing. So just before Facebook filed for IPO, they their revenue was $3.7 billion annually. Twitter's revenue at the moment is only 317 million a- annually. So Facebook still dwarfs Twitter uh, massively in terms of, and this is, we're comparing apples with apples because this is both of them just before their IPO. So Twitter was already heading towards 4 billion, and Facebook, uh, sorry, Facebook was heading towards 4 billion, and Twitter is hasn't even hit the half a billion mark on revenue. Um, the net income, of course, which Americans call net income, we call it profit. Um, interestingly, Facebook was already profitable at that stage. They were one billion worth of profit just pre-IPO. 
Twitter are running a loss of 74 million. So Twitter, Twitter is still uh, not profitable yet. And of course, the all important monthly active user numbers, Twitter um, are only at 215 million and Facebook was nearly at a billion pre-IPO, 900 million. So don't know if it's fair to compare them, they're different animals, but the numbers are, are, are vastly different as you can see. They are different animals. I mean, Facebook, we use Facebook a lot in, in digital strategies and um, it's, it's got a lot more flexibility we find and um, also the promoted tweets are not a, a big thing yet, um, you know, across a lot of the, the small to mediums. So, uh, you know, we find that we don't typically use them that much yet and they're not really available to everyone. So it's <clears throat> from that perspective, you know, if you think about, I guess, the... Um, I guess the place that you know these social networks have in someone's digital strategy so far you know we definitely find Facebook to be a lot more versatile and I think you bring up a good point I mean Twitter are really struggling with the with the average person in the street they're struggling to get that user number up apparently according to some sources um, Twitter were hoping to have at least double the monthly active users at this stage mm. they're hoping to have they, they're hoping to try and get a billion users as well and of course, their whole advertising ecosystem, I mean, Twitter can target ads really in an interesting way because they have your interest graph in a, in a way similar to Facebook. But unless they've got that active user base to target ads to, the whole scalability of their model just collapses. And, it's, and the data is a lot more public than Facebook. So, you know, in terms of targeting and understanding, you know, Twitter Twitter users, it's, um, it's a lot more powerful. Yeah, so... Uh, it's interesting time for Twitter. I mean, Dave, would you buy? Would you buy shares in the? I mean, obviously it depends what price they're going to list at. But I mean, um, you know, what do you think long term about uh, Twitter as a as a financial play? Look, I think uh, it's hard to say right now because because uh, I won't be uh, I won't be investing. But um, I would look. They've, those guys have a lot of potential. You know, Twitter Twitter has a, a lot of uh, you know their their Twitter search functionalities and the you know I guess the advertising potential is massive for Twitter. I think <clears throat> be interesting what hap- to see what happens once they open up some of the features, you know, as as part of their rollout. I think I think Twitter's strategy. I think you know they're a bunch of very smart uh, guys, and that's a whole other backstory. Mentioning the word guys, Twitter have come under fire that they do not have any female board members mm. on on their board, um, and there's been a whole debate around um, not having female board members, which I think is a little bit of an oversight on their point of view. I mean, Facebook uh, had already had Sheryl Sandberg at the, as their COO and a board member when they listed. The interesting thing is. Um, social media has a greater percentage the gender split is more female than male and as someone pointed out yesterday be great if twitter got someone like you know twitter's very big in the sports and celebrity and tv space if you get someone like lady gaga or oprah or someone on your board be terrific from from everyone's perspective and their productivity levels will soar are you saying females are more productive way more productive and you're saying that seriously, I hope. I, I am saying that seriously. I, I, I really think, you know, you want something done, give it to a female. Well, look, yeah. I, I don't know if we, we should get into to the, the, the broader philosophical debate, but I, I, I am quite surprised that 
that Twitter did, um, you know, no, no one likes tokenism and everyone understands the problems with tokenism. But at the same time, there's a huge amount of smart women in the tech space. So let's put it this way. If there's enough smart women that would want to be on the Twitter board, um, you know, that it, that it certainly wouldn't be tokenism. Yeah, it's good to have the diversity as well, especially, you know, for such a, a large brand coming out and hitting the market, you know, in this kind of way. I think having 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 a bit of gender diversity, you know, would be quite an important factor. Yeah, it, 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 that, that one really did surprise me. But where I think they might get things right, I suspect that they've got a lot of plans to crank up the revenue. You know, they've only t- they've only opened up promoted tweets to to generally larger brands and and smaller businesses in the U.S. I think they've got a, a few um, cards up their sleeves that once they list, they know that. Um, revenue growth is key to a stock and i think they've been have they've got the in in a way they've got the foot on the revenue growth i think the one aspect that they that they that they can't control which they disappointed with is their user numbers i think their strategy might have been to grow the user numbers get a baseline of tools to crank up the revenue and then then release release it all when uh, when they ipo um and I'm, I'm wondering if the user numbers not being as high as they like is, is putting a, a spoke in the wheel of their plans. But they, that's just my theory. Yeah, and maybe it, maybe it comes down to the, um, you know, I guess, you know, the philosophical values of the, the tool as a whole, you know, compared to a network like Facebook. Yeah, and Twitter have always been, you know, they, they consider their, their core value proposition of the 140 characters as being sacrosanct and they've always, you know, haven't as iterated as fast and as deep and as wide. Um, I have to say, I've been really impressed with Facebook. I, I've, they've, I, I take my hat off to the way they've iterated and, um, it's, you know, it's, it's reflecting it in the share price. I remain very bullish on Facebook, their numbers are, are great. They they got a great team. And um, talking about Facebook, another story is that um, they brought out a new enhancement to their their ad buying service. Now you've placed a lot of Facebook ads in your time. I've I've placed quite a few Facebook ads. Yeah, we uh, we do a lot with Facebook. It's um yeah, and it, and it uh, you know orchestrated correctly gets great results. It does. I met I met a friend yesterday at a coffee shop in Bondi and. Uh, She's a career lawyer, but she's got a side business of um, some esoteric type of astrological consulting or something like that. But she told me that she spends $1 a day on Facebook to grow her page on Facebook. And she's managed to grow her page Mm. to, I think she showed me and she was excitedly showing me a thousand likes, which, uh, you know, for you and I, maybe it's not so grand, but for someone doing something on the side that's not a tech person for $1 a day, and now she's got a database, a targeted database and, and, you know, relevant database is fantastic. It's great value, right? Oh, it's amazing. And and if um, if you orchestrate the campaign in the right way, you know, you... <clears throat> you know what your objectives are, and that's something Facebook's putting more effort into in terms of their interface. Is you know is helping people you know clarify their objectives before they start a campaign. But you know if your campaign is is all about getting likes, for example, you know, and you you create the ad to get maximum click through rates, and you start with a low budget, you know, and you you use the the CPM model, the, the cost per thousand impression model, you know, and you really get those click through rates high. You can you can get great value for your for your money in terms of likes, and you can um, you know you, you, it's not uncommon to you know for people to get five cent likes. Five uh, five cent 
yeah, five cents per like, you know, can it's <clears> really off. cheap. That. Yeah, that I mean, that's you know, that's in a broader market. You know, as you sort of get more targeted, it's you know, it's going to be pricier. But I mean, you really can achieve those results with Facebook if you if you do things the right way. I mean, it's interesting this this story that um, I picked up on TechCrunch. Facebook continues to simplify ad buying with new objective-based interface. So they 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 giving advertisers now advertisers will now be able to choose from a number of possible objectives for their ad campaigns, such as driving clicks to their website, getting more likes for their Facebook page, or driving app installs. Then Facebook will recommend the ads that will help meet their objective. It's a good move from Facebook because what they've decided to do is they've decided that. People generally, you know, every just like you know when Google AdWords first started, everyone thinks they can ad- run a Google AdWords campaign. You know, they shove a few keywords in there and they press go, and they lose a lot of money, and they can't quite figure out why. Ad, uh, Facebook is, you know, they're attempting to try and help solve that problem, and you know, helping empower users to work out what their objectives are first, and then you know, help them run their campaign. And I don't know. I mean, if if you're listening to this program and you've never placed a Facebook ad, um, I would encourage you to try it because the targeting, the targeting on Facebook. I mean, they were really the calibration of targeting on Facebook was really unprecedented. It's it's really quite remarkable, and I guess that's that's their secret sauce. Um, Dave, I actually got an email the first time in my life that I've actually got an email from a human at Facebook the other day, which was quite remarkable. We, we, we try to put a promoted post on the Managed Flutter. Managed Flutter, we've got about 5,600 likes on the Managed Flutter page, and we post videos and you know blog posts and all sorts of things. And often I promote it. You can pay to sort of get you know it in front of the eyeballs. And I promoted a video of of um, hashtag honey who's uh, a character that does these quirky videos and um, for us and um, I immediately got the ad rejected it said um, you're trying to promote an ideal lifestyle or something Mm -hmm. something which was quite funny into itself and I emailed them and I said you know I think you've got this wrong etc etc and a real human being or a very smart script um, but but I'm I just sense it wasn't you, you know but you know, I think what a lot of people forget is that when it comes to Facebook and Twitter, the customer is the advertiser, not the user. The user is the product. And, oh, yeah. And if you're an advertiser, um, you get love from these companies. But if you're a user, good luck. Even the advertisers struggle to get love from the company sometimes. I mean, <clears throat> try getting a response from Google AdWords. You know, it can be very difficult for a, you know, a one-time user. From a one-time user, yeah. I mean, I know someone spending a couple of million a year on Google AdWords, and uh, they looked after. Yeah, you start getting treated a bit more seriously when you're in the millions. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was interesting. But yeah, interesting to see Facebook continues to simplify ad buying. Um, yeah, it's it's you know Facebook really seemed to be pulling ahead. It'll be interesting to see if uh, you know Twitter seemed to excel at the celebrity TV side of things, sports side of things. They've just released their first um, report, joint report with Nielsen. They've come out with a rating system where they report on the, the TV programs that had the most Twitter engagement and releasing the, the numbers around that, which is useful to advertisers and, and production companies, etc. So the, I wonder if Twitter is going to become a little bit of a niche play in that area. Mm, and it's, I mean, it's so handy for conferences and events and, you know, just <clears throat> getting feedback. You know, straight away, Twitter's Twitter's fantastic for that. Yeah, it's um, I, I mean, Facebook are definitely you know shining in the whole uh, 
becoming uh, really owning owning the, the the common person space for lack of a better word yeah I mean it's important you know with with all of these different channels to really understand your market and you know and your segments and and target effectively so that you you know you're not wasting money by just creating another campaign you know it's it's really easy to do with all this stuff because it's it's quite easy to set up a Facebook campaign and if you've got your limits and you you know ten dollars a day doesn't look like a lot of money when you can cap it at ten dollars a day mm. but at the end of the month it's three hundred bucks which for a small business you know and that's what these and that's what Google and Facebook are are, are built on you know these type of models and to treat it like a campaign so you know a campaign has a beginning and an end date and when that end date comes you stick to it and you look at your results and you tweak accordingly or you stop the campaign altogether. Um, you know, whereas you often come across people who start a campaign and two days into it, it's not getting them the results that they thought they'd get. So they stop it straight away. But, you know, that's prone to day of week effects or, you know, mm. time of day. And, you know, all of that, that could be the message, could be a number of things. So you just, you just want to make sure that you run it like a campaign and, you know, that's where you get the results. Do you think Google are, are scared of Facebook? I mean, Google's still, I think, I can't remember what their last revenue numbers were, but they, you know, whatever, five to ten times that of, of Facebook. But do you think they, um, I mean, Facebook's releasing their graph search and, um, you know, they've done a terrific job on um, the messaging feature on Facebook. They've done an outstanding job. Oh, yeah, they're, they're going from strength to strength. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, they are a threat. People that, you know, Facebook's Facebook's real objective is, you know, obviously not to to get people to stay on Facebook. You know, you can you can do so much just by staying within Facebook. So, you know, for, for some some searches, you don't even really need Google. I'm always I'm always, uh, and I've mentioned this in this podcast before. I'm always curious why Twitter and Facebook do not build out their inbox to be Gmail killers. I think there's such an opportunity there, you know, and I mean, most people don't realize that if you're a Facebook user, um, you actually have a an external email address. You can actually send emails in and out of Facebook. It's your username at facebook.com. Mm. They're already halfway there. Yeah, I, I don't think, um, you know, it is entirely possible that they'll push that feature at some point. You know, it's... um. Yeah, because Gmail does uh, does play a huge role in in Google's overall strategy. Exactly, and 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 uh, they, you know, people are sitting on Twitter and Facebook more. So, um, but Google's, um, I mean, Google's really going to push people to keep pushing, really, people to use Google Plus, and um, you know, it's going to become. It already is becoming more integrated into to their search. But yeah, I think the they whole search strategy. I think they're failing. They're failing significantly on that. I mean, all they've managed to do is get a little bit of okay, a lot of good demographic information, mm. gender and age. But we've got some stats on the on the number of public Gmail posts. We've got a feature that allows people to integrate their Gmail, uh, sorry, their Google Plus posts with Twitter. Um, and we've got a lot of people using that on Manage Flutter. So we can see how many public posts people make per user. And every month since we started this feature about two years ago, the average number of public posts per user has been dropping. Now, I understand Google Plus is not just a public, it's not just like Twitter, but it's definitely not becoming a public social media network. That's 
for I can tell you now, 100% sure it is it is not becoming that at the moment. Mm. Whether apparently some people do use the private features quite successfully and have things in different circles, um, but it's still a long, long, long way from having any impact. I mean, do any of your clients do, do any of them care about Google Plus? Look, it's not it's not really that big in Australia. Google Plus at the moment, <clears throat> it's really only a couple percent of the overall sort of social market but google plus is going to be you know it already is to an extent in the u.s but it's it's becoming it's going to become a, a really important part of you know of dominating search i think i, I think eventually i mean they'll, they'll get it right eventually well that well they'll i mean they're essentially going to be forcing people mm. to use it so <clears throat> so I, I think overall there's not really much choice to get involved in google plus I think um, you know there'll be some resistance, and your average person, you know, is still going to stick to Facebook and Twitter for quite some time. I find their interface. And I've said this again on this podcast many times. I want to love Google Plus. I find their interface just confusing. Their mobile one's not too bad. The Android interface I quite like, but their web interface they've sort of it's this hybrid. Mm. It sort of looks beautiful, but it's this hybrid. Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest type of UI, and it's, I don't know how it's sorted by, you know, chronologically or topics or my circles. I'm just, and, you know, if I have problems, you know, who's someone who, who lives, eats and breathes social media networks, how's, how's my mother going to use this thing? Yeah. Well, you and I were having a chat before we started the podcast about interfaces and, you know, how how some of the big brands really get it wrong i mean you know google has a number of interfaces that really could improve and i guess all of these guys do and be great to just be able to sit down in the room with them all and you know and go through all of the things that they could improve about their interfaces you know what i would do what my single piece of advice to google would be about google plus is anyone from google listening right now i hope so if you are tweet us or email us um but I've got a single piece of advice which I think could solve all of their problems. Are you sitting down, Google <laughs> listener? And I'm not even a Google shareholder. I'm a Facebook <laughs> shareholder. And I'm, Are I you think sure I'm, you want to even share this piece of advice? I, I think I'm going to buy some Twitter shares. I almost feel compelled to. <laughs> but um, it's all down to API, Dave. Open up, have an open API. I let your your intelligent user base find out how to create interesting use cases, create interesting tools. Now, now I don't want to get into the whole Twitter API issue, but I'm pretty sure that a big reason of Twitter's success and even Facebook's success is in the early days they had APIs. Okay, they're getting the best of both worlds. They had an open API, now they closed their API. Great, we can argue the, the morality and the philosophy around that another time. But op having an open API of sorts would just inject a whole range of life into it. Mm. Uh, I mean, and there's so many Google applications that you know people could benefit from with you know opening up the API to you know to development. It's just um, you know <clears throat> it's an amazing resource. They scared you know that, that you know after the Twitter experience where they had to backpedal and you know these companies are all quite scared of having these open APIs and losing control um, I, I can understand that but I think a middle ground can be had and I think 
I think the users and the ecosystem lose out. I mean, TweetDeck wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the API, some of the search functionalities mm -hmm. on Twitter. Um, there's, there's all sorts of, and maybe even monetize the API somehow and, and inject your ads into it. Or I, I still get so frustrated around this API issue that we're leaving value on the table by not putting our heads together and aligning interest, we're leaving innovation on the table, right? Because to, to have outside innovation is a good thing for everyone, including these companies. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point, Kev. I mean, they, um, yeah, uh, look, I mean, Google still has, at, at the time they went a lot further than Yahoo, which really, you know, gave them their, their market leading position. Know, now you've got all of these other social networks that are you know being a lot more open and public with everything and you know and that's giving them the advantage so really you know it is the key to, to growth yeah I mean, and Twitter you know was famous for having the most open API and they were even pushing people um, to uh, to and that's what people forget you know some people say to me oh you know you guys are complaining a bit about twitter changing tack but you know you built a business on it and you know you you know you have to take that as a given if you're building on an api people forget that in the early days twitter were having conferences for their developers and pushing the api you know so that's an important part of the history but um yeah it's it's look and they and these companies don't owe anyone anything. They companies. They don't have to open API. They they under no compulsion just to open APIs. But in my view, Google's got a problem at the moment with Google Plus, and that could really breathe life into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's such a monolith that you know it's hard to know where everything's going to go, especially with the you know competing interests of you know facebook and and twitter and you know w those guys have some exciting times ahead as well so and um, yahoo may even come bouncing back with marissa mayo who's just you know tenacious like a pack mm. of you know hungry hungry animals she's a very impressive i've heard her talk many times and she's a very impressive person yeah bring back yahoo and um it'd be nice to to see more than two out of every 10 million people in australia use yahoo yeah, it doesn't really get on our radar much. Yeah, I mean, it still exists. Yahoo Seven in Australia it yeah. still exists. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, the um, I mean, it's you know, th there's some great advertising, um, you know, portals. I guess you know, thanks to to Yahoo. But um, you know, in terms of their search, yeah. um, you know, nothing really happens down here. And we old enough to remember the days when Yahoo was still the dominant search, and if it didn't pop up in there directly, it would default to Google's crawled search. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I still remember Alta Vista. Yeah, I remember Alta Vista. Dogpile. Do you remember Dogpile? Yeah, Infoseek. Yeah, Infoseek was was the the default search engine on Netscape at one stage. Yeah, that's right. It's, we're starting to sound old, you know. Sometimes we're in a you know, I go to some some of these hippie yoga retreats and etc. And I meet some youngsters, and I, I get a kick out of saying, "So you don't know a world without the internet?" And they sort of laugh and they go, "Wow!" And they look, "Wow, you're that old." You know, <laughs> it's like you grew up without the net. You know, it's really reached that stage where twenty year old these days, some of them remember dial-up. You know, so some of them go, oh, I remember when we had to like do that funny phone thing, you know, but uh, it really does start to um, make one feel old. But anyway, that's that's time. Time wins against us all in the end. Yeah, I remember the first um, mobile phone that I owned it was just gigantic. Yeah.
you know, with no functionalities except for the ability to call someone else, which really, I guess, is the core feature. Not it anymore. seems to have gotten yeah. lost along the way. Now it's photos and all these apps. And in the um, in the '90s, my father was one of the first people to have a car phone. So mobile phones didn't exist mm. yet. If there was a car phone. I mean, my father's a bit of a, a gadget tech guy, and I remember that people would. You know, it was just, it sounds crazy now, but to have a phone in a car was just like, I don't know, the equivalent maybe of having a steam room in a jet or something that just really, the two didn't really go together. And, and people used to walk by the car and stare into it and look into <laughs> it. And, you know, and it wasn't that long ago, you know, so. I still want one of those Get Smart shoe phones. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you can put that on um, Kickstarter or something, you know. Yeah, or if anyone's... um. If anyone's got one, just uh, drop an email to Kev and, uh, you know, <clears throat> just let me know. I don't think we should get all nostalgic because I don't I don't know if that's going to be interesting to anyone except us, Dave. Yeah, we'll, that's we'll true. Save that. But interesting to chat. So uh, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to be talking about um, this whole Google secure search keywords not coming up on Google Analytics. Remember, we love to hear from you. Uh, tweet us at Monkey Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Monkey Podcast. We've also got a Facebook page. Um uh, it's a monkey. Please like us on there. Please tell your friends. We love doing this podcast for you um, every two weeks or so. Well, actually, we're keeping it at every two weeks. If there's someone you want us to have on the show, be in touch with us. Um, we're going to take a short break and we'll continue our chat with Dave Klein, who's the CEO of Orange Line, um, after this break. So stay with us. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by Check Dog. Use CheckDog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors, broken links, and broken images, all with the push of one button. CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to CheckDog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. CheckDog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error-free. <coughs> Episode number 27 of the It's a Monkey podcast, you're back with Kevin Garber. And standing in for James Peter is Dave Klein, the CEO of Orange Line. Dave, how are your coding skills? Can you replace James with some of his exceptional coding skills? I could give it a shot. I mean, really, I, I remember um, Apple IIe Basic, if that helps. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, when you see the reams of code that we have going on in there, and uh, the, the, the convoluted, not convoluted, the highly complex systems that we have. Um, you may yeah. see the back end just to manage Flutter. It's, uh, you know, simplicity requires a lot of work. Oh, yeah, that's right. More work than to, you know, just put a what you see is what you get type of uh, interface. Yeah, there was someone, one of the American writers, I think, said, um, I sent you a long letter because I never had time to write a short one. <laughs> you know, coding and UI and that it's a little bit like that. You know, the simplicity requires a huge amount of work. Well, I um, I did send James on his honeymoon just so that I could sit here and stand in for, for James. So uh, It's a prized <laughs> position, actually. And if, if, if someone's listening and they want to be, we've got a couple of more podcasts without James. I haven't organized... Um, the guest presenter for, for in two weeks time and wouldn't mind someone a little bit left of center like a like a teenager in in anchorage alaska or you know perhaps someone who's coded an app at the age of 10 or maybe uh, your grandmother who loves tech and she's 80 if they want to co-host this podcast yeah. we can do it on skype or if they in or sydney or be nice to have a chat with steve buscemi 
Um, who's he? He's well. He's an actor. He's um. He he's more of an obscure actor, right? Who's who occasionally gets a major role, but um. Yeah, I look. You know, anyone. It doesn't if have you, to be him. If you've it got any anyone. contacts for, you um, know, to, to co-host the, in two weeks. There's a website, uh, contactacelebrity.com. Really? Yeah. I never knew you were. Like, I'm not across the whole celebrity space, but I didn't realize you were that. Um, I, t- I actually know nothing about the celebrity um, area. I just, um, I just pretend to every now and then. Yeah, look, it's, um, I saw a chap the other day uh, on the plane flying from Byron Bay and he was a stereotypical macho guy, but he was reading a, a, a quote-unquote woman's gossip mag proudly, unashamedly, <laughs> and I thought to myself, good on him, you know. Anyway, Dave, let's talk, let's, let's talk about um, Google. They recently secured all their searches, which essentially just means that a lot of things, but one of the things that it means is that the keywords... Um, if you've had a website and no doubt you've had Google Analytics running on that website, you've been able to see um, what people have searched for to reach your website. So if you sell running shoes, you might have seen some people search for high quality running shoes, cheap running shoes, comfortable running shoes or something to wear while I run or whatever. And you would actually see the actual keywords. now. That's all going on Google, at least on, on Bing and on Yahoo, and it's all, it's all it's still available. But on Yahoo, people don't have access to that anymore. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, look, Google have made quite a few changes lately. There's <clears throat> obviously the, the not provided results that um, Google has in their analytics keyword data so that um, you know stops a, a great deal of data coming through in terms of um, understanding the search terms. Google also um, recently changed their keyword tool as well. So, um, so this is the tool where if you're looking at targeting a blog post or an ad, seeing volumes and yeah, related just, keywords. Just getting an understanding of you know, estimated search volumes so that you can plan your, um, your content. So um, you know, now you've got to be logged in and it doesn't show search by devices. You used to be able to look at mobile search versus, you know, desktop search and now you can't look at that um there's quite a few changes you know some of the uh the match types you know exact match and broad match and phrase mm-hmm. match you could get all of all of that data from the old keyword tool but now it's um now it's changed and and no doubt they'll you know they'll keep adjusting it there's been there's been some positives and some negatives that have come out of it and obviously you know people hate change so um so obviously so having to deal with a new keyword tool is always going to be annoying Aren't there? What about third-party tools? There are a lot of third-party tools out there. I mean, there's no doubt that the best data you can get is by running an AdWords campaign. Do you, I mean, the cynic in me says Google, Google, they don't mind the, the, the externality of that this forces people a little bit more into AdWords? Yeah, well, they're, you know, they're always pushing people into AdWords. The, you know, and, and they're always... I guess they've always, even though SEO is a big industry, they've always sort of, um, mm. you know, looked down upon it and tried to push AdWords. And that's why whenever you, you know, whenever you um, check a search on your mobile phone, they're always looking for new ways of trying to monetize it with AdWords and, you know, push the searches down, the organic searches. And a lot of people don't understand that even though Google is this monolith that, um, you know, comes up with all sorts of quirky things like driverless cars and, 
Google Plus and Gmail and everything that that nearly all of their revenue, nearly all of it, something in the ninety percent is comes from AdWords. Oh yeah, I mean AdWords. AdWords fuels the whole business. It's a um, you know it's a massive money maker for them. I know even small companies that will happily spend five grand a month on AdWords. So I mean you know that. You know they're essentially um, putting a salesperson in there, you know, for an AdWords price. So mm-hmm. you know, so Ad- AdWords is, um, you know, it's big money, and um, and whatever they can do to, I guess, prolong it, um, you know, they they will and extend on it. I guess, um, you know, it, it's annoying all of this, all of this, uh, you know, not provided stuff and and taking away um, an understanding of of the organic keywords that someone comes across when they they get to your site. Um, you know, one way, firstly, you know, you'd be crazy just to use the, um, you know, the keyword tool to try and work out, you know, the estimated search volume. So you should uh, should always look at some of the other options like, um, you know, Amazon. Um, you know, you can you can often find, you know, what's being, what's popular That's on Amazon, what's yeah. hot on Amazon, eBay. You can always look at trends. Um, you know, Google Insights, you know, gives you some kind of idea as to what's going on. There's... You really, and also, each of these search engines has their own instant feature. When you mm. know, when you're searching something, and you know, some of the suggested search terms pop up underneath. Yep, that's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, you should be collating all of that stuff because at the end of the day, um, you know, organic search and optimizing for search is all about optimizing for a theme. It's not just about optimizing for a keyword. Please tell me there's a third-party product that actually aggregates all of this and. Look, none none that we've come across that's that's unbelievably powerful to any extent. Every every keyword tool seems to have its advantages and disadvantages. Um, you Are know, there some that you can comfortably recommend? Look, it's you know, a lot of people use Market Samurai right. for you know to try and get some data, but um, that mainly uses the the keyword tool. There's you know, also SEO Moz has a couple of tools. SEO Moz, um, you know, is is really good um, in terms of uh, understanding the insights, you know, behind backlinks and whether you're optimized and things like that. And you know, I mean, in terms of in terms of backlink analysis and you know, understanding you know some of the on-site factors that <clears throat> you know compare some of the top ten and whether or not you're doing what they're doing. Um, you know, there's plenty of tools for that stuff. In terms of in terms of your keyword research and really mm-hmm. understanding the right keywords. We always, well, actually not always, but typically would recommend an AdWords campaign. I mean, there's some, there's some um, keywords for everyone's market that you know are going to work. Mm. You know, they're always going to work. But then, you know, there's some more generic terms like, you know, for example, you know, running shoes mm. as, a, as a generic keyword, um, you know, that may have a really low conversion rate. So why would you spend money on SEO to try and optimize for that term where women's running shoes is a lot more is a lot higher converting it's got a lot lower volume mm. it's a lot higher converting and it's easier to target it's easier to rank so <clears throat> you know that that's the one you should be going for so but in order to understand whether those keywords convert you should run an AdWords campaign because not only will it tell you whether the keywords convert but it'll tell you the number of impressions that your ad had so it will tell you, it will give you a more accurate understanding of the real volume that those keywords have rather than using the estimated tool. So basically, AdWords, it's impossible to sort of um, sidestep 
the whole AdWords thing. It's very difficult to sidestep AdWords. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and but it's not to say that you can't use AdWords for a trial mm. type of basis to to get a better understanding of your market. And then feed it into feed it in. That's that's really how search works. I mean, you're interesting you mentioned that, you know, there's this antagonistic type of relationship between Google and the SEO industry. One thing um, I always find quite quirky is that YouTube doesn't have SEO friendly links. And I actually find it a, a, a pain because when I'm when I'm emailing people interesting business talks or whatever, and I just want to put it in the body of the email, the YouTube links, if it had an SEO friendly link, I don't have to write anything about it, right? Yeah. It's, you know, TechCrunch series of talks or whatever. And the fact that they don't have SEO links, it's, it's, it's sort of ironic and, you know, it's, it's a sort of a slap in the face to everyone else. Yeah, yeah, it's annoying. I mean, you know, YouTube has its own, its own SEO, mm. you know, components altogether. Um, you know, and, and also YouTube has its own search tools. So you can find the popularity of, you know, of, of keywords on YouTube and, and, and do that as well. So, I mean, there's the, the search, search market is huge and, you know, and the, I guess the number of tools that you would use to evaluate search opportunities is, is huge and you shouldn't forget about that, you know, and shouldn't think that your be all and end all is the, the Google keyword tool mm. because that gives you a general understanding of your market and relative um, search volumes, but it's it's not particularly accurate. And you know, for example, a lot of the localized search terms don't get picked up with the Google keyword tool. Right. You know, and they will get picked up if you run an AdWords campaign, and you'll see the number of impressions that you know that keyword got in AdWords. And of course, this isn't. I mean, Google have been shifting over to this for a while. I mean, for quite some time, a big chunk of our managed Flutter traffic has just been dumped in a in a unknown category or whatever they call it. Yeah, like not a, provided. Not provided category. So, it it has been it has been coming. Um, do any of your clients do any YouTube um, ads or sort of campaigns? Yeah, or? we do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, a lot of. Um, <clears throat> You know, a lot, a lot of different ways that you can advertise on YouTube, but it's, I mean, it's very targeted. You know, the the ability to, you know, to have a video with an ad right next to it mm. that targets specifically, you know, someone that would view a video like that is is pretty powerful. And um, you know, we've we've often got some really good returns off uh, off YouTube ads. Um, I'm sure you might have heard that Facebook are going to be rolling out some video ads. Yeah. And um, they're going to be rolling out. Instagram's going to be rolling out some ads. We are just... Um, I mean, I think, you know, on a philosophical level, you know, in, in one way it seems crazy. There's all these ads and targeting. But I think what we're moving to on a... day I get sort of esoteric for a moment is ultimately to be in a world where targeting is so efficient and so good that really every single ad that comes our way is actually a perfect fit we'll never get there but we'll we'll tend to it asymptotically as they say yeah and you know whenever you watch those futuristic Mm, movies you know and you walk past and you get tagged and then on a billboard there's a a personalized ad that shows up that matches you specifically yeah yeah and it and it's in many ways we we sort of there, although we, we get it wrong. I mean, when I was on the way to the states a few months ago, and I, I I went through Hawaii for a few days, and and I was searching for accommodation, and for the next bloody four weeks, I was getting bloody Hawaiian hotel ads. You know, yeah. so the retargeting. I just wanted to tell someone somewhere, look, I, 
it's over my holiday's over it's not gonna happen you know actually i i saw a um a really cool ad a really cool write-up recently of um i think it was the boston marathon Mm -hmm. where they there was a campaign where every runner was had some kind of tag on right and as they ran past a certain point a video showed up or an image showed up on this on the billboard of their family you know saying you know well done great work you know type of thing and i mean it's our world is definitely getting a lot more targeted in terms of you know being able to reach people um facebook is facebook is getting you know really targeted at Mm. the moment um adwords i mean as long as you manage buyer intent keywords effectively um you know adwords is really targeted you know seo is really targeted obviously because um, you know, you just need to understand where people are in their phase, you know, in their um, buyer cycle. You know, SEO can be great for, um, you know, comparative keyword, you know, comparative shoppers, you know, and people who are looking for a more, I guess, um, informational component to their purchase rather than just looking to make a purchase straight away, which is which is more of an AdWords thing. Mm. You know, and then Bing has always been more about buyer um, keywords, you know, that seems to, seems to be than, um, than Google. Do you, you get any um, decent results on Bing? It's not really, not really very popular here as a search engine. So yeah. we we don't really, and and most of our clients are Australian. So we yeah. don't really do much on Bing. I mean, Google's really been our our sphere. Google and the social networks. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, we have pretty advanced markets in Australia, small markets, but um, pretty, pretty, pretty sort of tech savvy and 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 big users. Oh yeah, and um, I mean the budgets—the budgets on digital here are you know really expanding, and you know every everyone's realizing that um, you know it's way more cost-effective typically than than an offline spend. I still think content marketing is a lost opportunity for many small businesses. I think particularly since many small businesses can really establish themselves as thought leaders quite quickly through content marketing. You know, one blog post a week and a couple of videos, you know, you know a month just establish you as a thought leader instantly mm. if you're the local accountant or, you know, um, lawyer or, or, or beautician or whatever. And that's what people look for online. That, if that credibility, it's a, it's a very strong signal. Yeah, and to differentiate yourself, you know, to, to add an intelligence layer over your, you know, whatever you do. And um, differentiate on price, and you know, <clears throat> so that you're not competing in the same pool as everyone else. Mm. What what amazes me as well is there's still, you still do a lot of Google searches that have no AdWords. You know, so there's still a lot of, you know, the, the, it's it's not like it's a space that's constantly saturated. Yeah, I mean, look, there's oftentimes you know you won't see too many ads because. A lot of people have tested them and they realize that, you know, those keywords don't convert. Right. Um, Other times, you know, you can't really bid on, you can, you know, Google changes its policy every now and then, but you can't bid on, or you can bid on trademark terms, but you can't use those terms in the ads. Right. Um, There's, there's a whole, whole variety of reasons, you know, some industries, obviously you can't advertise at all. So is that a reason, a good reason to trademark your company name so that people can't target your company, your competitors can't target. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I mean rep- reputation management has mm-hmm. become a, a massive issue online. I mean we we do a lot of reputation management work, and you know, I guess it starts with protecting your brand from an AdWords perspective. 
you know, the, having having people having people achieve high rankings on organic search for your brand can be annoying as well. Mm. And you want to knock them off page one, mm. you know, or, or not knock them off, but replace them with you know your branded sites so that you know you're the only one that someone sees when they're searching for your brand. You know, to have to have a competitor um, right up there when someone searches your brand is is pretty dangerous. Mm. So um, if you just so if you if your brand is trademarked, um, you know, say whatever, ABC company, someone can't buy an ad word based exactly on that ABC company. They could bid on it right. in the AdWords interface, right. so they could show up, but they can't use the keyword. They can't use that name in the ad. So, right. so what so that they can't, they can't say we are better than ABC company. Yeah, they can't say that, and what that leads to is really high cost per clicks because Google works by you know relevance. Yeah, and so if you're if you've got the keyword in the ad, then you're a lot more relevant than someone with the keyword not in the ad. Right, and more so, people will click on your ad. Well, more people will click on the branded ad anyway, but yeah. um, you know, but if you, you know. We've we've tried it on a bunch of occasions, and you know, it often can be you know ten to twenty times more expensive. Mm. You know, if you're bidding on a a keyword that's a trademark keyword. Interesting. So, give us a, give us your top handful of tips for um, a small business. You know, there's social media, there's Google, there's AdWords, there's organic, there's content marketing. Just, I mean, what would what would you say? Um, you know, maybe they have done a few things, or maybe they haven't done a few things. Where should they start with all of this? Yeah, it's a really good question because you know that's we we used to find you know, and we still do. People come to us and they say, "Look, guys, you know, we we're currently doing AdWords and SEO. We just we want a better supplier. Can you guys talk to us about that?" You have to take a step back, you know, because you're right. There are so many different options available. And so many different ways you can spend your budget that you have to spend wisely, and you have to you have to either you have to either succeed fast or fail fast and move on to you mm-hmm. know to the next thing. But to maximize your chance of success, you take a step back and you understand who your market is. You really need to get a good understanding of who your market is and who the segments are of your market, right? Then you need to make sure that your website communicates the right messaging. Because when you understand who your markets are and you know, and who your segments are within those markets, how you're going to access them, what kind of messaging are you going to use, you know, what kind of journey do they have, you know, when they when they hit the internet and they they do a search and they hunt for your product, um, and you know, and how do they distinguish between you and competitors, and you know, all of those questions, you really need to get a, a really clear understanding of of what they are. And it's and it's. It's a hard thing to do. I mean, even the big brands get it wrong where they may have a great ad campaign and you'll click through and you'll just go to a general site. Yeah, or that's right. And you'd be like, and now what? And you it's know? such a wasted opportunity. Mm. You know, they, they should go to a targeted landing page that matches the message, you know, that, um, you know, that you put in the ad in the first place. You know, you're, you're targeting someone for a specific reason. You need to follow it through right to the end. And it can, um, you know, you, you need to understand all of those components you need to understand you know one one good way of um of getting a good understanding of um you know of, of what people's sentiments are or what they're you know some of the questions they're asking is to is to mine social data 
to look at you know what are people saying on Twitter, what are people saying on all the question and answer forums and you know Quora and you know Yahoo Answers and all of those kind of things. What are people you know what what are the news um, items say about those particular topics? Bring it all together, understand you know who you're who you're actually dealing with online, and then once you understand that, you can target the segments where you think there's the greatest opportunity, and then you choose the channels you know whether it's social whether it's you know putting great content on your blog whether it's you know adwords whether it's linkedin whether it's retargeting email marketing affiliate marketing all of those options you put a, a proper plan together and you you put budgets according to you know the weighting that you think they have and of course there you can get help with all of this i mean you can get agencies such as yours or you can you know there's companies like contently that can write blog posts there's there's odesk where you can get people that um help with bits and pieces i would really it's tempting to start dabbling in adwords yourself and facebook ads yourself and it may be interesting just to get a bit of exposure but it's i really encourage just a little bit of help regular help somewhere if anything just to keep the momentum going and you'll be able to see whether you're getting a return on it pretty quickly a couple of months or so yeah i mean if you're a if you're a small business um you know you might and you can't afford the help of consultants then you know read some good books on it check out online you know what the resources available are because there are a lot of resources out there um, but one thing's for sure is that you have to understand who you're targeting before you you know start you start giving these things a try you know it's it's easy to it's easy to burn money with them um, with all of these channels mm. even um, <clears throat> even SEO that people think is free yeah. you know requires really solid content marketing and outreach writing a good article is very tough so it's a hard thing to do or writing an article that you're not wasting your time because no one's going to read it or retweet it or you know it at least needs to be you really need to ask yourself the hard question would i enjoy reading this article and, myself and why write the article in the first place uh, unless you know it's a question that people have mm. yeah no exactly you know, that's so, a good point so start start looking at the forums start looking at what people are actually really asking look at the you know, look at the search terms that pertain to your market and get an understanding of what people might be looking for and then write an article about it because that's the kind of article that's going to get shared socially as well. And social signals are big for SEO and for, you know, within the social networks. Mm, social engagement's really big. Um, Dave, a lot of food for thought, uh, really useful. How can people get hold of you if they, if they want to talk more about this? And um, I assume you're happy to get emails from from our 1 billion listeners. Yeah, well, um, if any of you 1 billion listeners you know, want to get in touch, just drop us a line at info at orangeline.com.au. And your website's obviously orangeline.com.au. Uh, and we'll, we'll have it up on the show notes. So if you're listening on your podcast, you can just go to itsamonkey.com. Um, Dave, I appreciate, um, appreciate you joining us as a special guest standing in on this episode 27 for James Peter. No, I look, I appreciate it. And, um, and I think we can both agree that uh, I will be replacing James from now on. <laughs> James was actually, he sort of said, oh, I hope the ratings don't go up, you know, after I leave. You know, I worked in Talkback Radio in a previous life and I said to him in South Africa, and I said to him, you know, it was a real issue. Presenters were really fearful of going away because a few times it happened that the replacement did better. So, um, yeah, who, who knows? If, the, if, if I tell you what, if, if our usual metrics go up 10 times, 
Sorry, James, but I'm pretty sure James, James you, you're not going to beat him at the coding and the product developments. So he's yeah, he's good at that stuff. Yeah, but, um, good, good's putting it nice and humbly, but yes, <laughs> he's a little bit good at that stuff. Um, but I've got a little gift for you um, that I'm going to make a special offer to our listeners as well. We've got a limited edition managed flitter frisbees, Ooh. managed flitter red. I'm going to be giving to you as a token of my appreciation. And we've, and we've got another five to give away. If you're listening to this podcast and you've made it to the end and you are not a family member or a friend and you'd like a managed flutter frisbee, tweet us at monkey podcast or email us at podcast at it's a monkey.com. And no matter where you are in the world, we will ship you one of these managed flutter frisbees. I'll even put a photo up on the show notes. For all of you... Um in North America that are experiencing fall right now, we have an amazing spring happening. So these frisbees are going to come in really handy. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I will. Uh, Lim- I limited edition. Yeah. Um, are you going to sign mine? Because uh, I'd, I'd like I would to like si- that. I'd like to sign it. You know, I'd like to sign it. Um, it's we, you know, no one's ever asked me to sign anything before. Although, you know, funnily enough, James was at a conference last year. I think it was South by Southwest or the launch conference. And uh, someone w- went, oh, wow, you the co-founder managed Flutter. Can you sign this? And, uh, you know, and we, we, we semi-internet famous, I guess. Although I did meet someone in New York at a, um, at a function and, and she was in, I said, oh, what do you do? She says, I'm in social media. And uh, she said, what do you do? I said, oh, funny enough, I'm in social media too. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I work for a company called Managed Flutter. And she goes, oh, what do you do for them? I said, oh, I'm the CEO and co-founder. And she's, she looked at me and she's like, yeah, whatever, prove it. <laughs> well, she honestly said that to me because she said I use Managed Flutter the whole time, which was, you know, we bump into those people in a lot. We've got nearly 2 million users, which is great. And um, she really didn't believe me. And then I sort of Googled myself and... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, but... Um, and then she thought you just knew how to manipulate Google Images. Yeah, no, she... she yeah, she, she sort of ate a little bit of humble pie. But, um, yeah, I, I, look, it's... Um, we try to stay. We try to stay humble and we only manage Flutter, Dave. We're not... We haven't sold... We haven't cured cancer yet. So we keep it in perspective. No, but the... I mean, the view in this place is unbelievable. So... <laughs> so... No, of the building of the building across the street, <laughs> you you're welcome to come visit the managed flutter studio and offices if you if you're ever in town. Well, Dave, um, thank you very much, and uh, that's Pleasure. episode n- number twenty seven done and dusted. We'll catch you in two weeks' time. Remember to tell your friends about the podcast, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>